stuff. And so um, I was trying to learn this territory, the mission, and I uh, kept noticing this interesting architectural church. And I thought, hmm, it looks kind of new. Maybe people really go there and maybe I'll go there. And so I started showing up here every three or four weeks, something like that, for probably about a year. I was kind of fascinated by the fact that every time I came here, it felt like they knew I was coming and they were telling the thing I just perfectly needed to hear. And my brother and sister-in-law had urged me to try Bible study because it was um, interesting. And besides that, it was a religious kind of a thing or a spiritual kind of a thing. They weren't focused on that. They said it would be a good intellectual challenge for me. I was always afraid to sign up because I wouldn't maybe always make it. Come my real estate, sometimes I have to meet with people at night. So I, I was shy to commit to it, but then I, I signed up for it and it was, you know, like September 2nd or something like that. Suddenly it was 9-11 and um, I remember thinking, okay, God, I get it. <laughs> like everything is crazy. I really need to go. So I felt like there was something drawing me to Bethel and it was the word. And when I came back, I was like two or three weeks behind in Confident Living, but everybody was so welcoming at my table. I've been going to Confident Living ever since, and I, I think that and my regularity of coming on Sundays improved, and um, I still feel like every time I am there, it's kind of like, how did they know I was here today? That's just what I needed to hear. And I think that's just because the word is the word. I feel blessed that I had the accidental, quote unquote, reason to learn about the mission. And then all of this happened and now I'm so grateful to be a Christian because um, I guess I think the basic thing I learned was that I wasn't in charge. <laughs> and to me, honestly, that's the greatest relief. And I do realize that I surrender now. I literally just described surrendering, right? But I, I never think of the word, and I, every time I think of it, I think, oh, that's why I didn't get here sooner. <laughs> I don't think I thought I could surrender, and I'm just telling you, I, I like to describe it as be, not being in the driver's seat, being in the back seat is like the greatest thing that happened to me. Yeah. We love stories of life change and transformation, and that's really what our following Jesus is all about. He's making us into the people that he designed for us to always be, but we cannot do it on our own. And um, we are in this series called Believe, and uh, we're actually in the third part of it. We do still have some of these books available to you. The books are free. If you're here for the first time, or maybe you've been coming for a while, but you didn't pick up one of these yet, um, they are free. They, uh, it, the book is actually um, divided up into three different sections uh, about belief. The first section is all about what do we believe? What are the essentials of our faith? But then the second section of the book has to do with, okay, so how do we act on those beliefs? How does it change our behavior? And then the third part, which is what we're in now, is, is all about the person that we're becoming. 
And um, it's based in uh, Paul's letter to the Galatian church where he talks about the, what he calls the fruit of the Spirit or the harvest of the Spirit in our lives. And he describes it in, in a lot of different ways. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are all the things that God is working and bringing about in our lives. And uh, I said a couple of weeks ago, um, these aren't like one at a time kind of things. It's, as you look at them, they actually all blend together and they all really are expressions of love. Today, we're gonna be talking about kindness. Now, I gotta be honest with you. When I started thinking about this and preparing this message and started thinking about kindness, it just seems so kind of, you know, mealy mouth, kind of Casper milk toast, kind of mamby pamby, shallow, kind of, you know, what? just, but, but kindness is more than just being nice. Kindness is actually something very, very powerful. And kindness is not just a random act here or there or, or this idea of paying it forward, which are all good concepts, but, but, but kindness is something much deeper and much stronger and much more powerful than that. And it's not just being kind to the people who are kind to us. It is actually a characteristic and a quality that God wants to develop in our lives. It is part of the be that's part of believe. And so today we're going to be looking at this idea of kindness, and we're going to look at it from Jesus' words, and then we're going to hear the real power of kindness. It's in his, um, his uh, sermon in, recorded in Luke chapter 6. If you want to turn there, follow along. We're going to begin in verse 27. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the rack in front of you. It's on page 1020 if you want to follow along. Listen to Jesus' words. He says, To you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to anyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes something that belongs to you, do not demand it back. And then he sums it all up, and this is really the, the key of this whole section. This simple phrase, in one phrase, he says it this way, do to others as you would have them do to you. And you've heard that a lot, I'm sure. It's called the, come on, it's called the golden rule. Yes, okay, yeah. That one sentence is all about kindness. And in fact, he goes on, and he explains a little bit more about it. He says, listen, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to someone whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full, but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And Paul picked up a little bit on it and wrote about it to the Ephesian church, these words, Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you.
kindness is not so shallow after all. <laughs> kindness is very demanding. It is powerful. It is life-changing. And I believe, particularly in the culture in which we live today that seems to be so divided and so antagonistic and less and less kind, that kindness can be a powerful force for the kingdom of God in this world if we can learn to be kind. Well, how does that happen? Well, I want to take these two passages a little bit and, and, and kind of pull them apart and look at how does kindness grow? It, it is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the work of God in our life. But there are some things that we can do to cultivate the soil, if you will, for that seed to take root and for that fruit to actually grow in our lives. And I think it starts, most of all, with changing the way that we think. The kindness begins when we change the way that we think. In one sentence, Jesus turns all our way of thinking upside down. When he says, do to others as you would have them do to you, what he has done, he's changed everything around. Because think about it. For the most part, we are pretty much concerned with me. <laughs> Somebody asks you, how was your day? As you go through the day, usually your response is, how did people treat me today? Oh, I had this unreasonable client, or I had this demanding boss, or I had this, you know, and on and on and on, this idiot driver that cut me off. I think in terms of having a good day as to how did people treat me today? But, but Jesus turns it all the way around. And this is the genius of it. Because he says, when you think, how was your day? The thought ought to be, how did I treat people today? Did I treat people the way that I wished I had been treated? It changes the perspective and it changes everything. It changes our whole perception about our lives and our lives' experiences. And that perception is, is really uh, pivotal to everything and how we view our lives. Um, came across this years ago. I love this. Um, you ever read the diary of a dog? as compared to the diary of a cat? I'm gonna read one for you. Excerpts from a dog's diary. 8 a.m., dog food, my favorite thing. 9.30 a.m., a car ride, my favorite thing. 9.40 a.m., a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 10.30 a.m., got rubbed and petted, my favorite thing. 12 p.m., lunch, my favorite thing. 1 p.m., played in the yard, my favorite thing. 3 p.m., wagged my tail, my favorite thing. 5 p.m., milk bones, my favorite thing. 7 p.m., got to play ball, my favorite thing. 8 p.m., wow, watch TV with the people, my favorite thing. 11 p.m., sleeping on the bed, my favorite thing. Diary of a cat. Day 983 of my captivity. My captors continue to haunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. <laughs> Perspective is everything. Your frame of mind changes how you view your life experiences. Kindness has to start with the change of our frame of mind. And instead of viewing my life experiences with how was I treated today, or how does the world treat me, the big question in kindness is 
How am I treating the people around me? How do the people who encountered me today feel about their day? See, that's, that's kindness. We call it the golden rule. And what makes it golden is it is unlike any other rule. See, every other rule is pretty straightforward. You either obey or you disobey. But the golden rule is meant actually to make us think. It's, it, it's meant to make us change our hearts, made to make us examine our hearts. There's a speed limit, 65 miles an hour. You drive on the freeway and you tr- you're going 75 miles an hour. And you're driving along and you're cruising along and then you see a black and white car and all of a sudden you drive down to 65 miles an hour. Now you will obey that law, but it hasn't changed your heart. Your heart is still 75 miles an hour. And as soon as that car pulls off, you're back up there. The golden rule makes us look at our hearts. It makes us examine How do we want to be treated? And how do we treat others? And Jesus summed it up in Matthew's Matthew's account of this. He adds these words. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. He says, this is in essence all of scripture. Anybody know where else Jesus used that same phraseology, sums up all the law and the prophets? It's also found in Matthew's gospel, chapter 22, verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What he's saying is this golden rule idea, this kindness, this is actually the tangible everyday expression of love to the people around us. What does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? What does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? Do to others as you would have them do to you. That is the power of kindness. And cultivating kindness is really about cultivating love in your life. It's a change of heart, and it's a completely different way of of, of thinking. And that's why Jesus says, so love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. It starts with a change in my thinking. But just having good, kind thoughts is not enough. It takes something more. It has to be expressed, and it's expressed through our words. Kindness is expressed in the words that we speak. Because see, how you think eventually comes out in what you say. When you are angry, when you are irritated, when you are frustrated, when you are annoyed, There are certain words and expressions that come out of your mouth. There are certain tones of voice that come out of your mouth that don't necessarily match the words that are coming out of your mouth. It's an expression of your heart. And so very often what has to happen is this change of heart, this change in our thinking has to begin to express itself in words that express kindness. Bob Goff, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, He's kind of a crazy kind of guy. Um, Speaker, Christian speaker. Um, I've I've heard him speak at a number of different conferences and events. And um, he's written a couple of books. His latest book is called Everybody Always. And it's this whole idea that God has called us to love our enemies and everybody. Everybody always. And, And so he writes about this journey of becoming love is the way that he describes it. And what it means to love everybody always. And he, he actually tells a story about um, in himself that he, he began to feel, you know, that actually people were telling him that he is not a very patient guy. 
And he had been reading this other book, it's a children's book about um, what you fill in your bucket is what comes out of your life. And, and so he decided, he's, he's, like I said, he's kind of a crazy guy. He actually started carrying a bucket around with him for a while just to remind himself of what am I putting into my bucket? Because what's going into my bucket is what's gonna come out in my life. So he started doing this and carrying this bucket wherever he went. And he, went, he was invited down to speak at a church down in Texas and he had booked it uh, way in advance and, and then come to realize as it got close to the time that it was actually Super Bowl Sunday. And, and he doesn't live in Texas, so that meant he was going to have to finish up all the services there and get back home to be able to watch Super Bowl with his wife. And so um, he's finished up the last uh, sermon there, the last service, and this is what he says. So when I finished speaking on the last of several services, I jumped into my car and bolted to the airport to get home in time to see the last couple of plays of the Super Bowl. It was going to be tight as usual. And when I got to the rental car lot, uh, return lot, there were a couple of lines with an attendant at the front of each. I chose my line and began waiting. Nothing happened for several minutes. So I craned my neck out the window to see what was the holdup. At the front of the line, an attendant was staring into the air as if he were trying to remember the words of a Rolling Stones song. I jiggled my foot on the brake impatiently. I tapped my fingers on the dashboard. After five minutes, I let out an audible, exasperated, really, into my empty car. All the while, the line next to me was moving along just fine. I was more than a little peeved. I can't deny, as the cold realization sunk in, I got that guy. You know the one I'm talking about. The one whose only gears seem to have our slow stop and reverse. I sat in my rental car, fingers still drumming on the steering wheel, waiting to, for him to gain consciousness. The car in front of me started to inch forward, but then it happened again. Entire seasons changed while I waited. I inched forward again. I was at the height of my frustration when I noticed my bucket in the passenger seat. I had completely forgotten about it. Fill it with patience, I said to myself over and over. Fill it with patience. Finally, the attendant slowly lumbered toward me. I've seen glaciers move faster. He opened the door slowly and asked, how was your rental car experience? Now, in the old days, I would have just clocked him with my bucket or made a wisecrack to let him know how lousy his job he was doing and how he had made me miss my flight. But something different was going on inside me. This time, though, for 20, for this time, though, for 25 minutes, I had done my best to fill my bucket with patience. This time, I said to the guy as I got out of my car, I had a great time. The car was awesome. You're awesome. Airplanes are awesome. Life is awesome. I hope you have a great day. I didn't even recognize myself. It was like a ventriloquist had heard his hand up my, put his hand up my shirt and was making my mouth move and was saying things for me. This certainly didn't sound like the old version of Bob talking. And you know what? It wasn't. It was a bucket filled with patience doing the talking. I had missed my plane by a lot. I got out of the car and with my, with my bucket and started walking to the terminal to book my next, a new flight. I had walked halfway across the parking lot when the rental, guy, rental car guy came running up behind me and put his hand on my shoulder. A little winded, he said to me, hey, I just wanted you to know, he paused to catch his breath before continuing, that was a great sermon you gave at church today. <laughs> you were there, I thought, as I, back, as I held back a gasp, oh man. If he only knew what was going on inside my head while I was sitting in line before I remembered my bucket in the passenger seat. 
the words we speak can truly have an impact on somebody else's life. And if what's going on on the inside is not geared towards kindness, then what's going to come out is not going to be words of kindness. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That is the golden rule for your words. Look at what he says. Look at these. What is helpful, what will build them up according to their needs. Not yours, their needs. That's golden rule thinking, golden rule speaking. Things that will benefit. Question for you. What would a golden rule argument look like? You have disagreements with people all the time. What would a golden rule argument sound like? Seeking to understand rather than getting my point across. See, that's kindness put to work. When somebody angers you or criticizes you or attacks you, what's going on inside and, and what comes out of your mouth? See, this is, this is powerful stuff, folks. And sometimes we, we maybe find a, a, a safe person where we can just vent or we, you know, we find an empty hallway or just you know, scream or whatever it is. And, and we think that just venting and getting it out and saying something about it will make it better. And it doesn't. They actually did a study about this university, uh, Iowa State University. And they did a study on this whole idea of venting and does it really let off steam and does it really get things off your chest. And what they found was actually that venting or getting something off your chest actually activates an interconnected anger system within our brains. We might feel better for a moment, but what it actually is doing is it's actually putting gasoline on the fire. It's actually turning up the heat. And instead of venting off a little bit of steam, what it's doing is it's bottling it up and building it up even more. Words of kindness can change everything. Instead of venting, how about talking to your heavenly father about that? He says, bless those who curse you, Jesus said. Pray for those who mistreat you. Instead of finding somebody to vent to, try venting to God. <laughs> pray for those who mistreat you. Do not judge or you will be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And here's the thing. It turns out that when you practice words of kindness, it actually begins to change your heart. In the same way that your heart gives an expression through your mouth and through your words, it turns out that when you practice consistently words of kindness, it starts to change your heart towards somebody. That's the way kindness works. This is a powerful, powerful thing. That's why Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How do you do that? Start with words of appreciation, a simple thank you. Even if it's for something that somebody was supposed to do, just saying thank you is a word of kindness. It's an acknowledgement that what they did, they followed through on what they were supposed to do. Just saying thank you. Words of affirmation. Good job. 
You did that well. And even words of motivation. You know, you have a real talent. Well, I couldn't have done this without you. You matter here. See, just practicing words of kindness will actually begin to change your heart. And that's what this is about. This is about who we are becoming. So it's about changing your heart. It's about learning to speak words of kindness. But there's one step more that you have to take it. And it has to do with our actions. That kindness ultimately is demonstrated in the way that we act. Notice the first word in the golden rule is do. Do to others as you would have them do to you. See, kindness is proactive, not reactive. Kindness takes the initiative. Kindness steps forward and goes first. And very often, we're waiting to see how somebody's going to treat us before we decide how we're going to treat them. Kindness is proactive. Jesus gives us an ex extreme example. He says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. Also, if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Now, now, I know we read that, and we know those words, and we read them again and again, and we're thinking, well, yeah, but he doesn't really mean that. I mean, he, he does, yeah, I know, he's just, that's kind of an extreme, he's just using hyperbole there. He doesn't really mean for us to do that. Well, yes and no. Yes, that's an extreme example. Yes, that is hyperbole. But I think Jesus actually wants us to do those kinds of things. Now, you might get ripped off by the car repairman, and yes, it doesn't mean you have to continue to allow yourself to get ripped off, but you can be kind about how you handle the situation. And I think that's what he's getting at here. You don't have to retaliate. You don't have to come back in kind. In fact, you can go overboard the other way. And that is an act of kindness. In fact, in Matthew's account, that's where he puts that, that whole thing. He says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, love your enemies and do good to those who hurt you. See, kindness is something that's incredibly powerful. If we can practice it. And instead of retaliating, respond with kindness. That eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know why that doesn't work? The whole idea behind that was it so, so you know, there's this, uh, to get even but not go beyond. But here's the problem with all of it. The pain that I feel that you inflicted on me feels a whole lot greater than the pain that I inflict on you in return. And so what happens is you never get eye for an eye equality, tooth for tooth equality. What happens is an ongoing escalating of hostilities. And Jesus says the better way is don't retaliate at all. In fact, offer the other cheek. It's an act of kindness. What kindness does, because it's proactive, it gives us a chance to be creative. It gives us a chance to do something positive in place of something negative that comes our way. And yes, it's our thoughts, and yes, it's our words, but it's also in our actions and our behavior. In fact, if you want to have an idea, oh, this, I love this next verse, Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And the operative word in that sentence is the word with. That's golden rule living. 
See, that's being with someone in their pain and in their sorrow and walking with them in that. How would you feel? How would you want to be treated? How would you want someone to be there for you when you were going through that? Rejoice with those who rejoice. That's golden rule rejoicing. What that means is I can celebrate your accomplishments and your victories without feeling jealous about it. It's an expression of love. It's an expression of kindness. And if you want more ideas, there's actually a website you can go to. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. It's www.jointhekindnesschallenge.com. You can take the 30-day kindness challenge. You log on, you check in. The first thing you'll do is you'll, you'll get a chance to do an evaluation of what your kindness meter looks like, okay? Then there will be, you can actually sign up for it, and it will send you, and you can put, you, you can think of a specific, if it's your husband or your wife, you know, or a coworker, whoever it might be, but just pick one person and join the kindness challenge. And what will happen is they will actually send you each day, give me your email address, they will send you one suggestion on how to be kind today to that one person. So if, you, if you're kind of like you need training wheels for kindness, try this website. Because here's why it's so important. Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as in Christ God forgave you. Kindness is an expression of God's grace. And we are called to be instruments of his grace in this world. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are praying, God, through me, may your kingdom come. Help me to do my part to bring a little bit of up there, down here. Kindness is the way that we do it. God's grace is what makes all the difference. As I become more and more and more aware, and you would think by age 64, I would have figured them all out right now, but as I become more and more aware of my shortcomings, my failures, my mistakes, my stuff, I become more and more and more aware of how desperate I am for the grace of God. Because the grace of God not only forgives, grace, grace of God transforms. And I need his grace every single day. That was an awful loud amen on that one. Was that my, anybody who knows me? No, it, it, it's true. We need his grace every single day, but we are also called to extend his grace every single day, to love everybody always. Bob Goff, one more time. Jesus doesn't want us to merely agree with him. In fact, I can't think of a single time he gathered his friends around him and said, guys, I just want you to agree with me. He wants us to do what he said. And he said he wants us to love everybody always. He meant we should love the people we don't understand, the ones we disagree with, the ones who are flat out wrong about more than a couple of things. Now I have plenty of those people in my life and I bet on my bet is you do too. Loving others is what we were meant to do and how we were meant to roll. It's not where we start when we begin following Jesus. It's the beautiful path we travel the rest of our lives. Will it be messy and ambiguous and uncomfortable when we love people the way Jesus said to love them? You bet it will. Will we be misunderstood? Constantly. But extravagant love often means coloring outside the lines and going beyond the norms. 
Loving the neighbors we don't understand takes work and humility and patience and guts. It means leaving the security of our easy relationships to engage in some tremendously awkward ones. Find a way to love difficult people more and you will live and you will find a way to love difficult people more and you'll be living the life Jesus talked about. Go find someone you've been avoiding and give away extravagant love to them. You'll learn more about God, more about your neighbor, your enemies, and your faith. Find someone who isn't like you at all and decide to love that person the way you would want Jesus to love you. We need to love everybody always. Jesus never said it was going to be easy. He just said it would work. Jesus finished this whole thing up saying, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Would you bow your heads with me? What do the gauges look like on your kindness meter today? In your thoughts, in your attitudes, in your words, in your actions. Kindness isn't for sissies. Love is not for sissies. It's hard work. But we're not left to do it on our own. It is the work of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. But there are things that we can do to cultivate that. And maybe today, as we've been talking about this subject, maybe you can think of a person in your life where you've not been particularly kind, and God is calling you to be kind to that one. Or maybe it's just a relationship that's just kind of drifting because you've lost the kindness quotient in it all. And you're just existing in this relationship, but love is draining away. And a lot of it has to do with kindness. Would you be willing today to say, Lord, I could be kinder. I want to be kinder. And I can't do that on my own. You know my heart. You know my thoughts. You know my words. You know my actions. But, but today, today, I'm making a decision that I want to be kind. And I need you to do that work from the inside out. Would you be willing to take a kindness challenge? Maybe not even for the next 30 days, maybe just for this next week and intentionally be kind to someone who needs some kindness. Imagine, imagine what would happen if every Christ follower actually did this. Imagine how it could change our world. And maybe you're here today and you don't know the kindness of God, not in a personal way. Scripture says that the Lord's kindness is intended to turn you from your sin, is intended to draw you to him. And today, the kindness of God has been expressed to you through his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life on a cross so that you could know him and live in his kindness. And if you don't know that, today you could take a first step of faith 
And it's just acknowledging, like I have to do every day, my own faults, my own weaknesses, my own struggles, my own shortcomings, my sin, and just simply say, God, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. Would you change me from the inside out? I'm going to invite you to make that your prayer as we close this morning. And whether it's a first-time decision or, or just an affirmation of a change that needs to take place in your own life, the prayer is the same, Lord, here we are with our faults, with our failures, our shortcomings, with our struggles, with all the stuff that goes on in our lives and the way that we interact with people. And we are far from perfect in any of this. We need you to change us. We want to do the things that we can to bring about that change, but ultimately we need you. So today we admit our need and we offer ourselves up to you and say, would you make those changes in my life starting here, starting now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you stand with me? We have prayer partners that are here every Sunday. I'm gonna ask them if they would come up to the front. If you would like prayer for anything going on in your life, prayer over a relationship, prayer over a personal decision, prayer just